Hey, hey, everybody, this is Future Jonathan speaking to you again. And uh, with a little bit of bad news before this uh, entombed special episode, these news entail the fact that Elge Petrov, lead singer of Entombed, have been diagnosed with an aggressive form of cancer. This has happened after recording this show, so I'm just going to have to add this little preface and simply dedicate this episode to our dear old Elge Petrov. Okay, here we go. Gain it for riffs. Gain it for riffs. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Gain it for riffs. Another episode coming up. We've been on a little break, Ola, so we haven't done this in maybe a couple of weeks. Yeah. I'd like to ask you, how have you been doing? Ooh. Yeah, I don't know. I've been a bit trapped in uh, in Amsterdam. Uh, I can't go to Sweden at this uh, point in time. Uh, well, I could probably do it, but there are some things that uh, prevent me. Uh, it's a global pandemic. Still, uh, dear listener Still. from 2030, this is uh, COVID-19, not 25. So, uh, yeah, you, you yeah. maybe you remember. It was shit. Yeah, exactly. No, I actually thought about that yesterday because I was biking at night yesterday and I, uh, I thought about, yeah, this is kind of a hot season for, for, the, for these type of uh, nightly uh, hangouts, uh, let's say, in, in the, not in the wild, but in the free. And I, and I mm. thought, yeah, Ulle should be around right now. Like, this yeah. is like the time of the year <laughs> when Ulle should be in, in Stockholm. Yeah, I know. Uh, I have not done any of that and i feel a bit uh, trapped in inside and inside my head maybe but uh, i have uh, a family to take care of so there's not so much room for depression and uh, self contemplation so i'm just full steam ahead and i'm focusing yeah. a lot on my guitar work which is uh, actually really re- rewarding so i'm happy we have this uh, at yeah, the very that's, least it's very nice yeah guitar is good i mean guitar is a great way to uh, enjoy feeling good as well as uh, kind of not avoid feeling bad but maybe channel it i would say yeah and um, yeah you kind of i would say like uh, i'm kind of paraphrasing steve Vai here actually but you you kind of connect onto music i think you uh, don't necessarily have to bring too much of your other um, uh, life matters into it it's uh, like a, it's different platform right yeah, I don't know. I was wondering if, uh, you know, when you're practicing, maybe like I do, practice uh, scale up and down for an hour or something like that, and you're not really thinking, but you're just uh, playing. I, I don't know if that could be some sort of meditation, uh, perhaps. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, I'm, I've been practicing again lately, and actually yeah. what I practice most is uh, kind of... Uh, "Quote unquote showmanship in my playing. It's not actually, you know, <laughs> tricks and and it's not. I'm not going around the roads. It's more like making a full piece, or like a full song, have a nice flow that every transition sounds good. Mm, yeah, it's not that easy actually. And you know, every time you stop the strings, every time you, and I've got new pedals. So when you're switching in between pedals, you got to learn to do that in a way that sounds as seamless as possible if you want to perform and. Uh, yeah, I've, it, I thought about that. This is actually the first time I have a pedal uh, board. Let's say there's no board, but the pedals are like they were on the board with the power plant, and I'm you know switching on and off. It's quite hard. I mean, it's uh, it's like drumming. You know, you have to do the bass drum now and then, and you're like as a guitarist, you forget about it <laughs> because you don't need your feet normally. And yeah, I find surely, it surely, so hard to play drums, and this is also hard. So it's a new thing for me. 
It is hard, but at least you don't have to be on beat with that foot. It just needs to be in between. Uh, uh, yeah, in between at, a beat. Uh, That's why, I, unless it's a looper. Loopers are incredibly difficult. I, I find to play with. If I, I must have a click mm. track to play with a looper, which is a bit embarrassing, but it's true. Otherwise, yeah. it would be glitches in the in the loops, you know, because you have to hit it right at the start of each measure. Looping, I you know, I know I've seen some looping done live, and it's nice, but it's kind of. Um, I don't know. Uh, for it, say Bart, what do you say? <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of predictable. I was yes. I was gonna say kind of boring. Actually, it becomes this uh, post rock, uh, ever growing cloud. Yeah, and it, it can only end notes. in uh, like everything at the same time, and then like a breakdown, and then the the Very audience much. is like woohoo, clap 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 clap, yeah. nice, well done. But that's it, right? Yeah, if you do it very cleverly, I mean, it could be more impressive, but there's always that kind of constraint, I think. It's mm. hard to make it really good, and it's not really... I'm not, it's not really what I'm searching for, let's say, on YouTube. Like, uh, no, I, I would say, like, also, as uh, for, for music in that fashion, to build layers upon layers, I mean, uh, working in a computer is way better. Just to have, uh, have all your things set up and just uh, put them on and put them off in Reason or... Uh, whatever the kids use these days. I mean, then you can really play with the dynamics. Then it's not just going uh, a crescendo uphill like a single guitarist would have to do. Um, yeah, exactly. But I'm sure there are people who have perfected this since I uh, saw it. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I actually have to agree. It can it can become quite boring and it's also sort of gimmicky. Once right? you agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think we agree about 50% of the time or something. <laughs> nah, we agree quite a much. About enough. You know, there should be some uh, clinching, some uh, locking of horns as well in, mm -hmm. in, a, in, a, in a pod type situation, I guess. If oh, we yeah. just agree on everything, it would be boring. Sure. Yeah. So loop pedals. No, I'm not going to start looping anytime soon. Uh, you know, I, you could compare it. Either you use a loop pedal or you're way on the other side of the spectrum and you write songs with the word children in it, like rock and roll children. Children of the Sea, Children of the Damned. Who wrote Rock and Roll Children? <laughs> rock and Roll Funny Children, name, right? Uh, is it yeah. Patty Smith? No, that, no, she wrote a song called uh, Rock and Roll N Word, uh, which I'm not going to say. <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. It's quite a uh, popular that's song of hers. The There's no but children. Rock and roll in children that. could be Black Sabbath. They have like Children of the Sea, Children of the Grave, and also Rock and Roll Children. <laughs> All right. Uh, but let's say uh, that's uh, a lot of talk about stuff that we're not going <laughs> to. <laughs> do this episode but uh, still i think we might we, i think that it, it does have some um influence on the the whole show because i i mean if you think about it what is a riff that's a repetition and looping is really all about that's repetition true. but how do you make the repetition worthwhile and interesting and not just uh, yeah. outstaying its welcome immediately uh, that's a question uh, we hope to answer for sure, and um, yeah, I remember your your um, with this show you call it a repeated musical phrase, and I guess that's uh, what what a riff is. If you, but really we're trying to explain that in the longest of longest possible. Of <laughs> yeah, <phrase>. true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're on uh, episode. What episode can we be? Recorded episode nineteen, maybe twenty, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, probably released around sixteen. We're still explaining to ourselves. Uh, <laughs> what the riff is, <laughs> I still don't yeah, know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as for as far as examples go, who's gonna start today, you or me? Um, well, you can start. Why not? All right, all right. Um, 
I've had this riff uh, cooking for a little bit, so mm. let's see. It involves some of that pedal dancing because I just kind of arranged it that way, so let's see if I can nail that or not. Chief Rebel Angel Entombed from uh, Morningstar, right? From Morningstar, yeah. And uh, what was the release year of that? Was uh, I don't have it in front of me. 2000? Something uh, like that? No, it's a bit later, no? Or I think it's quite a while ago, actually. We might cut this off, but I'm going to go grab the CD now, because I have it. So. Mm, it's from 2001. Entombed Morningstar released uh, September 3rd, 2001, eight days before September 11th. Um, maybe a quite a fitting release uh, date. You had one week to uh, really enjoy the album, and then like reality hits hard, and it gets like a, even a new meaning. The whole album for me, I think uh, I remember it like that. Wasn't God Hates Us All also released like on September 11? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and there's tons of Slayer influence on on this album, Morning Star. Yeah. <laughs> Like uh, we've touched on Entombed a little bit before, right? Uh, yeah. They they uh, they come they they enter and they leave, but they haven't had a full feature until now, which is super nice. Uh, one of my favorite bands growing up, definitely. So many songs to choose from, even kind of eras within the band. So, but I kind of landed on this maybe because of my age when it was released. I was about to turn fifteen at that time, you know. So you're quite. Um, at that time, usually, as, as, as a hard rock kid, you're looking for a bit meaner stuff, maybe. A little bit yeah. heavier, harder, and faster, maybe, even. And this album is quite fast, actually. It's, uh, it can battle their early uh, Swedish Stockholm death metal stuff in terms of tempo. Maybe mm -hmm. not in terms of grittiness. It's, it's actually quite gritty. I mean, Jorgen Sandström is in there. 
playing the bass and doing his mm. demonic backup vocals. Mm. Have so, you seen him live, Jürgen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> several times. I think I've seen Entombed, and they were all the all the times I saw them was with Jürgen Sandström. Yeah, uh, and he's a fucking monster. He's a so monster good. on stage. Yeah, I mean he's, he's, he's so up there on the level of Hetfield and Jason to harken back yeah. to our festival. <laughs> but he's re- he really is on that level, you know, in, in stage presence and also brutal, as you said. Mm. Very brutal. And uh, one of my first gigs as a front of house engineer was with Vicious Art, a band he was in with a oh, yeah. crazy lead singer. Very crazy guy. <laughs> he had like uh, uh, towels with him for stage with these kind of Landstinget logos, like from the psychic ward. Okay. Uh, yeah. And he kind of made a point of that. And when he was, this was in like a youth center. And when he was warming up for the gig, he just went into a corner and was like, <laughs> and then I come up and he's like, oh, läget, ja, bra, eller? It's a- it's a classic uh, venue. It's a classic venue for uh, for Stockholm, I think, or Sweden, maybe the, the youth center gigs. I mean, you, <laughs> you can have quite like big yeah. big bands playing. Uh, yeah. I mean, wh- one uh, Fryshuset, of course, uh, it started off as a youth center, but then became one of the uh, premier clubs for uh, live music. Uh, yeah. Has been since uh, since the 80s uh, but then also smaller places like i remember you and me uh played with uh, the reverend john loth in Fruengen, i believe it was in yep. uh, uh headlining uh, after her apa who uh, didn't show up her apa was a mm. indie rock outfit uh who was too afraid when she heard our music she didn't want to play that's how mm. i remember it <laughs> yeah something like that maybe her apa uh, mr monkey and uh, <laughs> Yeah, youth centers, man. Maybe I, we can afford a little tangent on this with like the, the stage situation in Stockholm. I think it's quite interesting. Uh, of course, now there's not much stage to be had at all. They do some no. um, because of the pandemic we addressed before. They do some live uh, streams from like fancy studios. But yeah, we're we'll getting on that topic another time because it's, now we're on stages. <laughs> and uh, I mean, uh, the youth centers here. I don't know. Do you have that in probably in in. Uh, Netherlands too, but maybe not as much. It's hard. It's it's uh, hard to say because I didn't grow up here, so I don't know. Um, true, true. Uh, I think the, what what is bi- what is more. I think I think what would be an equivalent is uh, bands playing in bars, like uh, in the brown bars. They set up very simple and very crude, and then they just play. You know, yeah. it's, it doesn't have to be anything special. But then there's also tons of live venues there's so many yeah uh, I mean, uh, it's the incredible place abroad that i played most uh, in yeah. is, uh, the netherlands and in germany because germany is kind of the is the, where you tour at basically if you're in a rock band in europe you you start yeah. out with germany because a lot of people a lot of fans and quite dedicated and mm. uh, netherlands is not bad either i would say i played in leiden and yeah. i played in the hague and in amsterdam mm. all these mm. kind of dive bar gigs you know and uh, surely, as you say, with the kind of vibe and 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 uh, from the youth centers, simple. Yeah, but it's also also uh, something that um, is a bit more di- makes makes it uh, life harder in Sweden is that it's so hard to get a liquor license or beer license. Yes, yeah. and that uh, is is uh, it's easier here, I would say. So uh, sure. you want to have a place to play, you know, you just grab the first bar and you go. 
go there and people can uh, they come there because they can drink i mean they if yeah. the band sucks i mean you're still drunk you know that's a yeah. good thing exactly. I think. you got a good point there well, because no. i think it's really a nanny state thing with these youth centers because it's they really center around being as we say drug free which means drug and alcohol free uh, mm. and you don't really need that maybe in netherlands maybe you could just your kid could go to the pub yeah uh yeah exactly i mean it's i don't think there's a problem um Problematic. Uh, it's not a problem. Uh, it's not a problem. You know, like it's uh, they. If I would say, okay, yeah, my kid wants to go to this uh, uh, this show, and uh, it's a rapper, and uh, he, uh, the people are smoking in the audience, uh, probably, and uh, the venue will say, yeah, wh- what are you asking? So it's like, yeah, can he go? It's like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> of course he can go. <laughs> Why would it be a problem in Sweden? <laughs> a huge problem yeah probably really you wouldn't either, be yeah. able to go and yeah. it's all yeah it's a bit sad it's quite extreme sweden i mean if you look at the states uh what we say over here and have said all our life is like yeah they sue each other all the time they're just suing and mm. suing and suing and here it's more like you know uh, no one will get privately sued here you will be kind of chased down by the state really and you will be regulated yeah regulated people. that's the word like you, we get <laughs> regulated over here and i guess if i lived in in, in amsterdam maybe i wouldn't miss it so much i, I mean i mean the, the worst fucking live experience i ever had and now i swore i don't do that very often on the or maybe i do but i felt <laughs> i had to i was at the baser uh, medis uh, on medborgplatsen center of stockholm so uh, <laughs> and i was going to see uncle acid and the deadbeats and the venue had abided to the new regulation of um, that the decibel count had to be extremely low. So I was standing with my friend Yusuf in the audience, uh, and the band went on, and they were uh, <laughs> they were not they were they, their um, their sound their the audio level was lower than the music playing in the PA before, and you could even hear them plucking the strings. You know, acoustically yeah. from the guitars, that was louder than the music. Like when we're playing here in our small studios on low volume, sometimes mm-hmm. you as a listener, if I don't cut it out, you can hear the strings. But imagine yeah. that on a, like a major uh, venue and you can hear yeah. the strings, then it's regulated. And, uh, you know, like a doom uh, doom metal, whatever, uh, re- retro metal, metal loud band, anyway. Loud Call band. them ev- evil loud. hard rock band. And yeah. they, you know, uh, it's just so weak. It's terrible. It's a terrible experience. Yeah. While at the same time, or uh, a bit later, I would say, I went to see the Melvins here in Amsterdam, and it was loud as fuck, and I thought I would die. You know, yeah. it, that's how loud it was. I really thought I wouldn't survive. I prefer and, that. Uh, I mean, that's use. maybe not the nicest experience, but still, I prefer that to sure. hearing yeah. the plucking of the strings. No, me too, for sure. And I mean, to get back to on... angry on now. <laughs> Let's go back to Entune. I mean, they... Uh, We've seen them in countless of these small venues, uh, weird yeah. places. They played in the university, uh, kind of students' hall, and that was incredibly good as well. And I mean, it's a quite legendary band. We mentioned J- Jason Newsted earlier, so why not mention him again? He was huge on their third album, uh, Wolverine Blues, and that mm. was released way back in 95, was it? Or even earlier, 93. Like 
something like that. Is it Hollow Man? <laughs> Hollow Man. Nice. That's a good starting point, I think. Wolverine Blues. Mm-hmm. Let's kind of let our minds wander back to 93, 94. I'm bad with years. Yeah. Let's say somewhere around there. Let's, and, uh, let's say it's 93. Jason Newstead is out on the never-ending Black Album World Tour with Metallica, and he's constantly playing Wolverine Blues in, in, uh, in the bus. Mm. And, uh, I mean, not to get it, make this another Metallica extravaganza, but I realize now we talk <laughs> a lot about where did load come from, where did reload come from. You have Wolverine Blues too, right? Mm, yeah, it it uh, could be, and uh, I mean, let's let's uh, ponder that James Hetfield was kind of sleeping it off uh, in the back of the bus, and he hears some of these down-tuned, uh, uh, very, very groovy rock and death death and roll. That's what you say uh, tunes, and he kind of it kind of permeates into his subconscious, and that turns into load. I I don't think that's exactly what happened, but I mean, you you paint the picture, right? And you think that sure. that might be an inspiration somehow. Yeah, uh, I think um, story of entombed is interesting. They've had worldwide; um, they've been renowned worldwide, right? Many artists, yeah, have taken for sure, them out, and they're kind of really respected for their sound. And uh, dear listener, if you're not familiar with entombed, I'll give a little quick run through because mm. kind of the timeline is important here. And we go back to the 80s first, and the band was called Nihilist. And, uh, you know, made up of these kids, basically, here in Stockholm. They did the tape trading, where you send cassettes with your demos. Uh, You have kind of pen pals, really, uh, worldwide, really. I mean, including Mm. people like Jacques Chaldiner of Death over in in Florida, Tampa. And uh, Fendris, of course, our buddy, (laughs) podcast (laughs) colleague. Podcast uh, colleague. (laughs) Yeah. Shout out. He was in there, yeah, he was in there. I think he had an early, inc- an early incarnation of Dark Throne uh, at the time, or mm-hmm. maybe even Dark Throne. And they kind of met, you know, and they had these cute rules. Like, if you're going to meet and hang with your metal buddies, you should not wash your hair, uh, the let's say, 48 hours at least before that, because they wanted to have that kind of... You, you remember the look, right? These kind of uh, center partings mm. with uh, a lot of uh, grease in, yeah, of laying yeah, flat, yeah. and then leather jacket, you know... Uh, <laughs> and some so you, think, you think shirt. of um, what are they called? Uh, the Brothers Hard Rock. Uh, the Brothers Hard Rock. Yeah, uh, Niflheim Bros. Yeah, Niflheim. Tyrant Bros. and uh, Tyrant and something else, and then of course just normal Swedish names behind that. Love those guys, by the way. Mm-hmm. And maybe because they are such Maiden fans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a uh, clip, yeah, there's a clip when he puts on uh, he puts on Peace of Mind on vinyl, and he's like. Ja, när jag lyssnar på musik så är det inget jag sätter på i bakgrunden och gör något annat. Jag sätter ju på och lyssnar jag på musiken. Då kan jag säga att min musik är fan bättre än din. Så, <laughs> <laughs> so, quick translation, he says he's not gonna listen to this in the background like uh, plebs. He's gonna put this on and only listen to it. He puts on peace of mind. Nico McBrain's incredible drum intro kicks in. <laughs> And then he's headbanging and drumming on his knees. And yeah, it's locked can, in. For me, it's a golden moment. I can rewatch it over and over again. So, uh, if we go back to uh, the 1980s, uh, these uh, young nihilists, they're living in Upland Svesby, uh, a lot of them, up in northern Stockholm or north of Stockholm, mm-hmm. uh, very far away. I mean, they probably didn't go into town, that, uh, into the city center very much. I mean, what would they do there? Uh, but they, or they did, maybe? Actually, yeah, but it's interesting that you said that because uh, they actually went in and met in the city center quite often because there was no mm. internet back then, right? 
Of course. So, and they were from different, Upplands Vespi for sure, but uh, Nicky Andersson, uh, who's very central in this, um, he was the drummer of Nihilist and then of Entombed on the first few, rec- few records. Also, of course, in Helicopters, we mentioned him before, and countless other bands. And uh, yeah, he, he lived in um, Fruengen, I think. Uh, okay. Vårby, Vårby Gård, which is on mm-hmm. the other side of Stockholm. So they had this kind of, they met at Plattan, you know, like the punks do today, in the very central of the city. And then mm. just kind of, but sometimes also they went out to some suburb and they were hanging out there and they were kind of mm. hanging out on the streets, I think, and just talking shit, okay. and maybe with the boom blasters. But I, I just imagine that they go to these youth centers as well and they organize their first gigs there. For gigs, for sure, yeah. And so on, tape trade and what, yeah. whatnot. Because there is a movement being created here that's kind of, uh, you know, uh, Swedish death metal and the the Stockholm kind. Yeah, uh, it has its own, It's really its own style. Yeah, I would argue. I don't have any of that. I don't have the Boss HM heavy metal pedal that sounds like you know. Yeah, it's just that sound, you know, buzz or. So, I, but I stack two distortions today to get you know darker. So. But it's still too clean for that sound. They have more like a. It almost sounds like a synthesizer, the the old Swedish death metal sound, right? It's a mm-hmm. really characteristic sound from this uh, Japanese um, Roland Boss uh, heavy, HM2 heavy metal pedal. Mm. Yeah, they, we have to put that one on the Instagram so people know uh, what to buy next. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculously expensively sold now. They sell them for uh, 150 euros, which is a joke, you know. It's, it's, I, I think it's become like this hype thing, so I would never <laughs> go for that sound personally because I don't like to jump on bandwagons as such, and you can't Ooh, really play the, the bandwagon of early 90s, late 80s uh, death metal. <laughs> yeah, no, I like, I like to have, actually, I like to have a nice Van Halen-type sound, you know. It's like a rich, traditional heavy metal sound, even if I play uh, death metal. It's just what uh, I like. Well, it's and Van Halen. Interesting. Interesting. They have some theatric, uh, theatrical uh, element to them that I think. Uh, okay, this is a very long shot, but that uh, on this album uh, now we 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 went quite far without uh, talking about the riff. Yeah, uh, so much back left to it. I mean, this, it's a very theatrical, very dramatic uh, uh, riffing going on, and uh, I think there is some. I would like to hear it again, and then uh, we try to talk about how and why they made this record. Sure, yeah, I was going to get to that, so um, uh, just to speed forward, this is not going to be a long one. We are here in Nihilist, Nihilist switches names to Entombed at some point, and uh, released the legendary um, uh, album Left Hand Path as the debut, and then Clandestine, and then with Mm. Wolverine Blues, when they kind of find their way to Metallica's tour bus, they've adapted a kind of death and roll sound, and uh, Nick Andersson said, I think it's even in the booklet of Wolverine Blues, like, yeah, it's time to reach back uh, further, so not only to Slayer and Metallica, but we're going to reach back to Black Sabbath. That's kind Mm. of what he, that was the testament of of that sound, and it's a quite sharp change, but done very kind of it's easy to respect Wolverine Blues, I would say, right? It's not a sellout album by any stretch of the uh, No, can, can, we, can we also mention and shout out to Alex Hellid, who uh, wrote the entire uh, booklet in his own blood? Oh, really? In, I like, didn't know that. The, yeah, in like the coolest font ever that he made up himself. Uh, it's really cool. Uh, it looks great. And uh, yeah, we have Alex Hellid, who was one of the guitarists, uh, together with Uffe Sederlund. Um, yeah, classic duo. Nicky Andersson, the drums, LG Petrov, of course, 
on vocals on this album. Uh, yeah, and then Jürgen Sandström on, on bass. Yeah, but he didn't play on. Oh, we're Wolverine still on Wolverine Blues. Blues. Right? Yeah, no, he's not on yeah. Wolverine Blues. That's correct. Yeah, <laughs> I was. I'm gonna get up to date. So Wolverine Blues is released. This is a new sound, but then they get kind of into troubles with the record label. It's everything is stalled for a while there. Uh, they have, they finish the next album, which is even more uh, black and roll. Great mm-hmm. album. My first entrance to the band uh, to ride, shoot straight, and speak the truth, and also six 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 in Roman numbers, Roman letters. Mm. A great riff, damn deal done. Or about the, that, uh, right, just right. Yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic riff. Jesus Christ, so good. Yeah, I'm, we're getting uh, close here, dear listener. It's going to be a little bit long. I think I'm in this long <laughs> format now because of the Metallica festival that we did. So, but I, I don't mind. I, you, you, uh, John. I have to say, I don't mind the long format. Uh, I mean, a bit longer because uh, sometimes it feels like we're really rushing through, uh, and there's so much to sp- talk about. I mean. I don't know if we're going to get to my riff this episode. There's so many entombed <laughs> stuff to talk about. <laughs> I think long format is it fits pods anyway. Well, yeah, of course. Uh, now we're at uh, the end of uh, Nick Anderson's time in Entombed. He leaves the band uh, around this time. I, th- I think they've managed to do like a quite mm. legendary Swedish tour, at least on uh, To Ride Shoot Straight, maybe a little bit international, and then he's out. Yeah, fortunately, I was not. Uh, I didn't know about Entombed at this time, and I didn't do any fan art about Nicky Anderson leaving the band. So, yeah, there's that. Carry on, Jason. <laughs> Always in a heart. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> a metal heart is hard to tear apart. <laughs> Whatever. Give him some posters. Leave the hall. <laughs> Nick Anderson is uh, out, and he's on to bigger and better things you could argue or maybe not uh, i mean entombed is great but uh, we've talked about helicopters uh, i think in an episode maybe a few weeks before this one i'm not sure mm. about the chronologic order there but yeah <laughs> so he's in helicopters now entombed is kind of already declining a little bit which is strange i would say because they're a band they're releasing like these super heavy hard-hitting records uh, renowned worldwide among artists among fans and they're great live uh, uh, at the point, Jürgen Andersson, Jürgen Sandström is in the band on To Ride Shoot Straight. So he's in there with his force already and together with Nicke. So that's maybe the ultimate lineup. But yeah, mm-hmm. they switched drummer. Peter Stjernwind comes in and I have to say, great drummer. Per- Flinta, yeah. Perfect mm, replacement Flinta. drummer. And he also has that Niflheim look heavily down. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> he looks like the third. <laughs> yeah, I have some... I have to say it's kind of a Göteborgsk look. It's a the, the, it's a very straight hair, yeah, and always <laughs> greasy, often underneath a cap, and then uh, never shower, uh, never use any, you know, uh, never add anything to uh, when you shower your hair. Just leave it. <laughs> yeah, it's a great look, and then maybe some old, uh, n- never like a. Uh, leather jacket, but a jeans jacket with a lot jeans, of patches. Yeah. Maybe the same one you had in high school. Um, often caps also they often had caps on like trucker hats definitely yeah trucker caps but also these smaller I don't know military caps is that what it is combat cap the combat cap (laughs) I think tactical (laughs) tactical cap tactical cap (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
Okay, so this is at the point where we're kind of uh, figuring out that there's a band called Entombed, I think. Uh, they now have an album called Uprising, which is actually Ooh, not yeah, really... my first. Upri- which one was your first? Uh, Uprising was my first Entombed album. Yeah. Uh, Seeing Red was the first song I heard. It's a cool album, but it's not really an Uprising. <laughs> it's actually more of a decline I would say the first kind a, a of lit, a, a little bit, I think. Uh, it's kind of funny. It's a something like that. Yeah. It sounds like Kill 'em All. It's a Kill 'em All riff. You can think like, "Ow, come on!" Well, we we touched on this before, but the first band I ever saw live was Entombed, and they started they started their gig with this song, so it always has a place in my heart. It's fantastic. Yeah, uprising, not awesome, but definitely not bad. Uh, I'm a fan of. Um, there's a final song on there. I think it's called "In the Flesh," with this mm. kind of. They do a little bit of the epic style of uh, Chief Rebel Angel, which we're soon gonna get back to. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. So you have that. You have that little slightly epic, more uh, kind of doomy vibe there, and there's another song called uh, "Say It in Slugs." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. It's. Uh, I think a, a lot of these. Uh, the songs from this album, they went on to become the backbone of uh, this ballet uh, that they made together with the Royal Ballet, Entombed and uh, what's, what was it called? Un, um, Unreal Estate. Unreal Estate. So many of these songs, and it really worked well. I remember uh, seeing the ballet, and I was sitting next to uh, Horace Engdahl and his son, who was uh, Horace Engdahl, is like the. Uh, stand the secretary of the. <laughs> of yeah, he's the, basically like uh, a culture elite guy. Let's say. Let's keep yes. it simple. Yes, uh, he's he was in charge of uh, determining who would get the Nobel uh, uh, literary literary prize, uh, and sure. then he was sitting there with his son, who was a metalhead, just like Leif Pagotsky's son. I think it goes in in these circles, uh, and uh, the son was uh, headbanging with short hair, of course, yeah. and. Uh, and uh, Horace Engdahl, who uh, used to be a um, ballet critic, he uh, smiled a little bit. And I felt that, okay, this was a good decision of Entombed to make this. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, did you go and see it? I was there, yeah. It's interesting that we're discovering on, on, on air sometimes that we've been in the same venues, like the, the, yeah. uh, the, only the, the, the couple of years leading into actually meeting. And I was there, and I really enjoyed it. And I thought that it's kind of typical for... Um, for our hometown, Stockholm, as a project, I've, I see that, that that could really happen here. Like, hey, let's put together Entombed and, and the Royal Ballet and see what happens. Mm. You know, and it's kind of yeah. it's kind of uh, Stockholm-ish in a way. You know, a little bit highbrow, but also a little bit uh, punkish in a sense. Well, and I, I thought it worked really well. And they sure they played a few songs of Uprising, but they also played uh, the slow songs from the album I'm at, uh, Morningstar, and they opened yes. with. Uh, actually for today if you're yeah. wondering because it's such a powerful you have Jorgen Sandström coming up and doing the kind of a backing shout <laughs> yeah Lucifer Phosphorus um, and then Elge comes in with stand up and then in praise of the morning star Lucifer Phosphorus 
And it's really just this devil song, right? But I think it's cleverly written. Cool lyrics like, uh, Mm. Down here on the ground since it all began. Experiment, immoral, unbehavior. Unbehavior, I think. I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah, this. uh, if you read too closely, don't read in too closely at... um, on the uh, entombed lyrics, they are very swinglish. Yeah, and then comes the powerful pre-chorus. They go up to F sharp position. Yeah. So it has this chromatic from F sharp to, to up to G and down to F. The, the power chords on the second, third, and first fret, and many mm. my name, one and the same, chaos being and the everlasting flame. And I think for all these songs that just kind of present the devil, I think it's done in a clever way. And my favorite verse is, uh, despite all its imperfections, I'm a fan of man, and the worm is my rose too. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. I like it. Yeah, the worm yeah, is my cool. rose too. You know, it's kind of, yeah, it's the devil, right? And, uh, yeah, I mean, it goes, it's in the same vein as, uh, in, if you would call it like uh, a devil... Um, uh, apologetic uh, ap- apologist song like uh, Sym- uh, Sympathy for the Devil uh, by Rolling Stones uh, also kind of this uh, you know there's a lighter side to me but of course their version was based on the the devil as portrayed in the Mos- Master Margarita book uh, this Russian uh, novel that is where the devil is the <laughs> the most dangerous person the most dangerous character ever and he's uh, accompanied by a man-sized cat that uh, likes to decapitate people at whim. Um, yeah, so Very maybe cool. he's a bit more, uh, actually a bit more sympathetic in uh, uh, Sheep Rebel Angel than in Sympathy for the Devil. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of a fanfare, if you will, you know, for for the devil. And uh, mm. yeah, I was almost finished with the timeline when we dropped into the opera, so uh, or the, the ballet because. <laughs> I forgot they also released an album called Same Difference uh, before Uprising, where they totally mm. tried to do like uh, alternative rock sound. So kind of yeah. their load, Oof. if you will. And it didn't really manifest. I listen to it sometimes, but it, it kind of doesn't work. And then they do Uprising, they try and get they get the look of Nihilist, right? They have it looks like a Nihilist mm. cover, back to the back to the roots. <laughs> you know, if exactly. You will. It looks like this uh, very cheap uh a print of a t-shirt you know like just uh one yeah. <laughs> one color <laughs> one white color. on black yeah white on black like a skull like a dirty skull and then uh, after that they're kind of like okay it's time to make uh, this album morning star and what do they do here mm. they they make it kind of even more basic than uh, than uh, wolverine blues you could argue because they go back to slayer really like most a lot of this album sounds like slayer would you agree yeah yeah i agree um and i think it's quite uh Except maybe for this song. Uh, yeah, this song doesn't have much Slayer at all in it. And I think the reason I choose this song is because, I, like I said before, I talked about the showmanship aspect and making a flow in, in a song. And in this song, mm-hmm. I had to play a few of the riffs because I think they it's very, very brilliantly composed and without much... Uh, it feels effortless, you could say. So I think they've really kind of honed in on a, on a, on a fatness and, and on an energy rather than trying to impress you with the... Uh, weird strange riffs yeah Yeah. um you have the intro Uh, it's um very slayer like isn't it Uh, yeah uh, let's see here putting on some effects for listening pleasure (laughs) 
you know, that everyone knows by now if you listen to this show. What is this interval? Devil's Tritone. Yeah, it's back there again. And it's, uh, it's this neat little figure and then they kind of alternate it with this heavy ass. Which is also Slayer, like straight out of Slayer, right? Yeah. F yeah. into E. Talking normal E language. They are tuned down to, to C. But I'm only in, actually only in E flat. And this, this song is so heavy. You can almost not tell. And uh, yeah. the, I already addressed the pre-chorus when you're up in F sharp. And uh, you have mm-hmm. the, the main riff is only the power chords from E. And then uh, G back down to E with chugs in between. So Very simple, right? Yeah. And follows the vocals. And then uh, finally you have the verse, which I guess is more like, almost like an old school and tomb drift. Which is uh, one string arpeggios on, on the lowest string. Very evil mm-hmm. and uh, chunky sounding, right? Cool set of riffs. I think so too. Uh, and I think it's... Uh, if you now you presented their timeline uh, in such great detail, and I think um, I was wondering, like, where does this inspiration come from uh, to make this kind of record? You know, the, at the same time, in on the other side, the other coast of Sweden, on the west coast, uh, they were getting lost in melodies and uh, uh, like kind of synthy arrangements in yeah. uh, in flames and. Uh, all the soil work and all these kinds of bands, and uh, and then and Tomb just brings it back to the basics, uh, but with this added theatricality that they picked up from doing the um, props to uh, El Petro, who I think he does the standout performance where he played the DCL XVI six 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 piano interlude in like and a longer version while there is a solo ballerina on stage. Super nice, Super such nice. a cool. Uh, I re- I remember that so well. And if you know him, if he's a character, you know we're actually uh, Facebook friends. So I see him updating all the time. He's always posing with like legends, like uh, he's posing with Maiden, Metallica, uh, Udo, Dirk Schneider, and uh, oh, yeah. you know he's, he's always got these cool pics. And I mean, his whole style is like uh, uh, I live quite close to a near suburb to Stockholm called Farsta. And Farsta is kind of a place with, let's say, uh, not too fancy people. You know, you're wearing your jogging jogging pants, you're eating yeah. pizza, you're drinking beer, and it's kind of, you know, uh, a little bit, uh, what's the word, slusk? Uh, slusk, yeah, uh, a bit like a hobo. But what I heard of him is that he sits in his apartment and he listens to, like, uh, The Rude Sandstorm. Or <laughs> yeah, maybe, I mean... Uh, our podcast colleague Fenris did listen to quite a bit of uh, house music for a while actually quite good yeah. selections of house music it happens you know you can't always listen to metal right you're gonna implode unless you're uh, the hard rock brothers <laughs> I, I, they I can. don't know what's they happened can. to me because I've I've really gone for the metal now lately it's all, it's so fun. It's all coming it's so fun. back and I'm really proud of it again I'm talking about you know talking uh, to people about our podcast and in the beginning, I was like, yeah, I will, I will play like all kinds of music. And now it's like, yeah, yeah we, we have, have a two, uh, two uh, uh, part special, special about Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking, talking about, about the, the, the band, blah, 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 blah. You know, like really proud. 
<laughs> metal is so it's fun. Crazy. It's so fun, and I've had the same development that at a certain age, <laughs> I think it was, you know, let's say 33 or something, way late, 32, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna from head from this point on, when someone asks me, be it a date, you know, be even a date situation, I'm not gonna try and and redress this. I'm just gonna say like, yeah, my favorite, absolute favorite music is heavy metal. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> and just be straight with it because it's true it's my favorite music and that said of course i listen to a lot of other stuff but i'm no longer trying to appropriate that uh, as you know I, I i know that i love metal it's so fun you know listen yeah. to these fun riffs this is you know dramatic fun fat good genre yeah um so did we answer uh, all the questions we have about uh, entombed uh, maybe just uh, touch on the notion of what is entombed up to these days, because yeah, that's exactly. quite complicated. And it's been almost twenty years since the release of this album. Oh yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, but and the, but the I was album, wondering because maybe happened. you can you could uh, bring some clarity because now there are actually two bands. There are two bands. Entombed, yeah, it's split up, and it's an interesting thing. I followed it uh, fairly closely. It happened a long time ago, and they've had so much lawyers involved. I don't think they're even come to like a, um they haven't really settled yet they haven't Terrible. reached a settlement because what basically happened is they had quite a few lineup changes uh, let's say in the 2000s and for a while alex Helid was the only guitarist which i think he did quite well he could do it alone live pretty good including loop pedals we went, actually we went to see that i think in solna also like a small venue like, yeah, almost like <laughs> really a, small small like dance bana you know like oh, a, no a, no old. yeah yeah no it was like a you no it was even better it was like um some kind of youth uh, there was kids that had organized a um, yeah like a metal show with all kinds of young bands and they asked they took some courage and they asked Entombed, uh, maybe you want to headline this show? They're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and they headlined this kids uh, uh, festival. Super nice. Great band to be a fan of, right? Because they literally played everywhere in Stockholm. I think I've seen yeah. them 12 times. And uh, they deliver live. They're a good live band. Sure. Often opening with this song. It remained their opener for quite a while, actually, after this album. Yeah, and why not? Uh, yeah, there was one release in between also that was very important. It was the Black Juju album. Can you guess why that was so important? Was that the cover album? No. Well, yeah, exactly. And it has like uh, covers of two uh, two artists that can, that went to become some of my favorite artists and how I discovered them. And uh, one... Rookie Eriksson. Yeah, well, the other one... Captain Beyond, Mesmerization yeah. Eclipse. Mesmerization Eclipse. On what might be the best record ever. Yeah, and we're, we're dear listeners, uh, if, if, you, if you know us personally, you know that this is one of our favorite albums, and yes, we're going to do a special on it in the future, yeah. uh, just to wait. But I ha just have to say, because I remembered, uh, actually when you picked, uh, in the start of this episode, like, yeah, this is how I know um, Captain Beyond, because I heard they... Um, uh, because Entombed covered uh, Mesmerization Eclipse on Black Juju, and uh, that's where I heard it. And I was like, what the fuck is this riff? And I went to um, 
the mega store, uh, this this the, my favorite store in Stockholm uh, during uh, yeah around the two thousands, the CD and music and game and vi- video store on Plattan um, in the, the center of Stockholm. Where nowadays there's nothing to do there; it's this terrible place. But then there was a huge like two story. Uh, 2,000 square meters, just CDs. And I went there and I picked up uh, Captain Beyond, the self-titled first album. And Very cool. Wow, my life was never the same after that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say that. Did, did you introduce it to me? I think you did. Yeah, I, I think yeah. so. Yeah, it was among those great albums. I don't know if we if we listened to it and we, then we danced and had some parties, like several of them. Yeah, we oh. recreated that. We had like one night, uh, late, a drunken night in the kitchen, and uh, we listened to that album and danced to it and kind of reenacted some of the songs uh, with boxing moves and whatnot. And <laughs> it was so much fun that we actually just blatantly recreated the same event two or three times with different uh, people <laughs> accompanying us. And the only rule was like no shirts on. And uh, all of the album, obviously. Captain Beyond, self-titled. Go listen to it, dear listener, because we'd yeah. like you to be prepared for the episode. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. Uh, Pub Megastore was also the place where I met um, uh, the singer from Kent, uh, one of your old favorite bands. Jocke Berg. Jocke uh, Berg, yeah, I met him there because uh, I was there with two girlfriends and they didn't dare to go and talk to him and they were almost fainting because they were huge Kent fans. And if you know... Uh, what uh, a person who is a Kent fan, if, if how they react when they see anyone from the band, and especially Jocke Berg, you know they can't talk. You know they yeah, just he's, get, a, he's a superstar. Like yeah. He's a superstar. And I went over and uh, I was just like, yeah, hey, uh, these girls over there, they would like to say hello. Uh, I hope I'm not disturbing. And he was super nice. <laughs> and they got to meet him. That was the story. But I just like, these things used to happen in Megastore. The coolest place. <laughs> yeah, no, I went there me. all the time, and you know, it's I, I get kind of a nice nostalgia when I think about it because I, I would live. I I'm from a, a Kranz commune, as we say, which is like a, let's say small cities or communes that surround Stockholm, and you are too, I guess. I mean, not really. You you were born in the in the city center, but then you moved out. Yeah. Uh, anyway, my point was these bus bus journeys that I would I would get on the bus. I would ride into. Uh, the subway system. I would take the subway into the city only to go and pick up a record. You know, this uh, yeah. two-hour uh, excursion <laughs> to pick up one record, know. which is incredibly f- romantic to me now when I think of it. Like mm. uh, reading the booklet on the way back home. You know, that's a classic. Mm. And mm. I uh, remember first the first record I went in and bought myself was uh, Iron Maiden, Brave New World, uh, on the day of its release. Wow, it was in uh, Mega, and yes. uh, the clerk, the clerk was like, "Have you heard it?" Have you heard it yet? Uh, like, I've heard Wicker Man. You know, I was 13 or 12 at the time. <laughs> and uh, I've heard I've heard Wicker Man. And he's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the rest of the album kicks ass. It's so good. Ooh. You know, in my hype there, you know, it's kind of signed off. Like, okay, Maiden are back. Because when I started listening to yeah. them, they were also on a, on a downfall. The typical 90s. Yeah, but of a metal band. W- Wicker Man is not even the best song. I mean, they have no. Ghost of the Navigator, uh, Blood yeah. Brothers, right? Or what was it called? And uh, yeah. Brave New World. Ghost of the Navigator really resonated with me. And uh, the thin ra- the thin line between love and hate with Rob Halford. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not on there, but it should be. Uh, in, in Ghost it's of the Navigator, you have this incredible... <laughs> something like that and that that was my favorite tune at the moment and i was always 
I was a little bit ashamed of uh, Maiden because they were not as heavy as Metallica and, and Sabbath. So when I heard it's a heavy, nice I that ha- you were ashamed. <laughs> I was a bit ashamed for them. of that. Yeah, for for me <laughs> not for listening you, for to them. them. Yeah, that's maybe why I started listening to Entombed, right? Not long after, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, that ri- that riff was like, okay, cool. They can play heavy riffs. Like uh, I'm I'm not completely ashamed anymore. <laughs> that's so good. Uh, but I know what you mean. I, that's how you kind of worked back in the day because you couldn't. Um, afford to buy or listen to all the music that you wanted to listen to so you went i also went to this place on uh, gamla brogatan you remember the the record store there that had actually there were two record store at their height of their power they had one store for cds and one on the other side for vinyl yeah and i went to the, always to the to the cd side and i became like uh, you know i was 15 and I, I i thought that i became friends with uh, with the guy working and i kind of you know, during the years there, kind of, I felt like I was prepping to become uh, higher there and work there for the rest of my life with CDs. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, there would have been. This. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know you had like an aspire, aspiration to. I be thought a little thing called MP3 had come out, uh, but uh, so and then and but he he um, he listened to stuff like King's X and. Uh, and, uh, and and various uh, Christian uh, heavy metal bands, and uh, yeah, so he didn't give the best tips. So I thought oh, maybe I can give even better tips. But uh, I think mean, I, for instance, I picked up uh, uh, Opet's Blackwater Park in that place and just awesome. like, stood there and looked. I, you know, ten minutes you stand in the store, you just look at the artwork on the front. Uh, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. And this is CDs. I mean, you hardly ever even see what's on it. It's not like vinyl, but it's it's just fantastic. It was, it's what we grew up with. It is really. Yeah. And I mean, I'm nostalgic, but I'm also not thinking that uh, it, it should go back to this or anything like that. It was definitely a phase in, in the world of music. And we talked about covers mm. now. And Tomb did the cover album. And I love the idea of covers. So for me, like, you discovered Captain Beyond because they did the cover, right? Uh, yeah. It goes back to what I've been kind of, I've, I've been preaching this lately. I've been like an evangelist for, for covers and that it's such a part of music. Like if you're only playing originals, that's '90s thing to me. You know, that's like a <laughs> that kind of uh, industry thing because music is a trade. Music is about trading the stories and the retelling of the stories. You know, yeah. And it definitely works in your case. Discovered a lot of good music because of bands you already respected and liked. Covered them. Yeah, uh, totally. Did any uh, and yeah, one uh, one the f- fantastic entombed uh, experience. And uh, I've seen them live several times. I even. Uh, I even missed them live because I was so drunk on uh, what was that horrible drink where you have uh, vodka and orange juice? Screwdriver. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I was drinking screwdrivers at the time when I was 18 or something. We were hard at it and we went to the base of Sluss and uh, I, was, I was a bit older. And I, ca- I came there and Antoon was going to play and I just immediately had to go to the toilet and I was just puking for hours. <laughs> And I heard them through the, the various doors and walls. I heard the whole gig, and like my friend came afterwards and picked me up. Like, yeah, you missed it. Like, yeah, I heard everything. It's <laughs> kind of fitting for Entomb, isn't it? Elge Petrov. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've seen for Facebook buddies. I saw one of his profile pics was him puking on stage. But it is that kind of music. It is like uh, you know, the, it has that um, quality of the, this. The, like it's a vomit. You know, it's vomiting out the riffs and the vocals. It's really that kind of uh, brutal aspect of it that makes it maybe 
maybe closer to uh, closer to Florida death metal, like Morbid yeah. Angel, or maybe Cannibal Corpse, even no, not really, but uh, uh, but then rather than the, the west coast of Sweden. Yeah, no, and, I really got into like uh, American metal uh, death metal through them, and uh, if you listen to this riff from um, Death uh, Leprosy, it's a song called mm. Pull the Plug. You can hear kind of maybe what the guys in Ireland were listening to. Right, listen to this. <laughs> You know, it sounds like Entombed, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's about it. I mean, it was a long segment on Entombed there, but there's so much to say. And I mean, they really kind of, they were an important band. Yeah, let's see. Ah, something like that. Um... Yeah, it was long, but I think uh, they needed some time. You you, you just can't uh, shoehorn them in in a half an hour. They're so important. Yeah, and I would say they're kind of a center pillar in in my like metal uh, growth or you know getting into har- uh, harder music. And again, we get back to that all the time. That as a kid, somehow you wanted to have like a, a cool a cool music taste, right? And if you were into mm. metal, the, the the way to make it cool, at least then, was to go for. Uh, dirtier and heavier and faster and more down-tuned and more death-like stuff, right? Yeah. You had that similar development, right? Yeah, but I mean, they're also kind of this band that you, a local band that you look up to uh, and you see them a lot because they play a lot, you know, and they're not, they're very accessible and I think they're uh, friendly in a way uh, that some bands aren't, you know, like the, this, the aspect of playing at the youth uh, concert or you know, just saying yes to everything and yeah, and being very like chill about it. I mean, now now maybe uh, less so <laughs> lately, yeah. but uh, when we grew up, at least, yeah. and they were very accessible, and I think that was important. But I also looked at them like superheroes. Sure. Jürgen Sandström, uh, this yeah, beast. And he needs another mention. He needs another mention before we leave the topic. <laughs> I'm, mm-hmm. I'm stretching it. Still, I'm stretching it. So, yeah, it's not by choice. It just has to be stretched. And uh, yeah, Jürgen Sandström, he's. Uh, was the founder from, and frontman of, frontman of Grave uh, from Gotland. Yeah, we've addressed that island before because your parents are currently currently residing there and he used to spend a lot of summers there. I, I spent a few weeks there too. And, um, you know, him being from Gotland and he still has that very lovable accent um, mm-hmm. that they have the Swedish accent of and then the Gotland dialect. And uh, he's super friendly. We have I'm not friends with him, but we have uh, mutual friends. So I've seen him a few times and he's super friendly. You know, he... He bakes cakes for people. <laughs> He's, you know, he fronted the grave. He has this demonic voice and presence and evil handlebar mustache and always like a, dressed in a pleasure to kill shirt, like creator. He always had that on. <laughs> and such a, you know, warm and friendly guy. And uh, for me, definitely, like uh, since I worked with him so early on when I was aspiring, an aspiring sound engineer and he was easy to work with, it sounded great. So he's, I idolize him a little bit, I have to mm. say. And nowadays... Like, he's like Mr. Mr. Metal from Gotland, right? He's the main <laughs> yeah. guy. Well, and nowadays I heard that he, he doesn't play regularly in, in any band, but he's, he more, he's more like a hired, hired hand, like a gunslinger, hired gun, when, they go out, uh, when bands go out uh, on tour or they're doing a, a gig here and there, they, they call him and he says, yeah, if I have time, I'll yeah. do it. Uh, but he, he's had enough of this... 
uh, endless touring and like being in a band and fighting and stuff like that. So I think that's uh, healthy. Yeah, he never liked touring. He said like uh, I listened to an interview with him and mm. he's, uh, he's he wasn't into it at all. So he kind of wanted to get out of it as soon as possible, really. And he started that catering business. So he's you know mm. he's been in, in the catering business for a long time. I think with his wife or girlfriend. Okay, and uh, you know that's what he's doing. That's why he make makes cakes, maybe. <laughs> you know. It's like a kitchen. He's, he's a kitchen guy. He makes know? cakes. He okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, he, he's, he's it's very cute, right? He makes cakes for people. Wow. <laughs> if you go to him, he will treat you to, with cake, cake and uh, and coffee. Well, I mean, uh, maybe he would be a nice he would be a nice guest if we have like um, if we do a show that uh, that he has any interest in. Uh, yeah, and please uh, also, dear listener, uh, email us or talk to us. Personally, I mean, we're up to that also yeah, uh, about what out. you would like to hear or guests that we should try to uh, seduce to come yeah. on the show. That would be nice. Gainitforriffs at gmail.com or Gainitforriffs on Instagram. You can DM us there. Uh, that's probably the two easiest ways, right? Mm. So, uh, thank you for bringing uh, uh, Entombed back to uh, the forefront of metal, where they belong, I think. Uh, we have a little time left, so I thought I would bring in uh, something a bit different nice. uh, this week. And um, I've been thinking about this riff. I didn't really know how to bring it in, and I think we, we, I now have a perfect opportunity. Um, to say the least, I've been annoyed with this riff. It has been in the back of my mind now oh, since really? I heard it. It is a riff that is... Um, well, I will play it in a bit and then I can talk about it, but uh, it is something like... Uh, the band, to me, is not interesting enough to fe to feature, you know, a, ha a half an hour or <laughs> never like an hour of talking about them. I think you will agree, but I think there is something to this riff and I would like to go go into it a little bit so um cool yeah here we go <laughs> Okay, um, is it the sword? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the sword, right? Tres Brujas? Yes, you guessed right. It's uh, the sword with Tres Brujas. Yeah. Three, Three witches. witches, right? Yeah. Brujas is like a Spanish or something. Spanish name for witch. Brujas. Uh, yeah, Brujas, I guess. Um, and it's off... It's like it's off an album I listened to quite a lot called Warp Riders from uh, 2009, I would say, and uh, where the the singer has written like an epic science science fiction story that they're um, going over, uh, using all the tropes of uh, stoner and doom uh, metal uh, yeah. in the riffs. Uh, and <laughs> but it's riff, quite recognizable I mean, this riff. I, I see that you have been annoyed with it because when you played it after two, after three notes, I was like Tres Brujas by the Sword. And yeah. when did I last listen to that song? I, I would say ten years ago, <laughs> a long time yeah. ago. And no, it's, still it, it's recognizable. really like and, uh, and uh, interesting how it stays in your consciousness. It's really like 
one of these riffs like if i if i'm walking or or if i'm doing something that has nothing to do with playing guitar i'm like there is this this kind of sour uh, sour solo that comes in there, and it's just like <laughs> it's perfectly annoyingly sour. It's it's I really don't understand how it can stick to you because it doesn't sound good if you're really listening to it. Uh, it's like, ugh. but it is kind of good also. I, I have really like troubles with this song. <laughs> I don't know. It's a good time for me to reprimand myself also because way back in episode one or two, I said that they disbanded. And I don't know if that was wishful thinking because they're still around. <laughs> the sword is still around. Um, and I did look into the possibility of maybe, you know, like looking into their history and what they're doing, but I s they're just too boring. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it's not enough. It's not enough content. Yeah. Uh, but I would say Warp Riders is an okay album. Uh, this riff is, uh, yeah, it has a, an annoying staying power uh, yeah. that I, um, yeah, it's hard to get around. I, I think they they deserve a feature on Gain It For Riffs just for that reason. Um, yeah. Maybe a little little bit of history, a little bit of a riff story is uh, sure. that they're one of these bands that brought back kind of the, the same riff, the, the same old tired uh, stoner cliche riff, uh, and they... Uh, it, they made it a hit with their song Freya. I don't know if you remember it. No, but if I heard it, I probably would. Uh, it, it, it goes like this. Uh, let's see. Yeah, very cliche. Yeah, we, we've heard that box. Uh, we heard it a lot, um, but uh, it was a it was a hit for them, and they got to uh, tour with Metallica, where I saw them the second time I saw them because the first time we saw them together, um, uh, I think they were um, just uh, playing before High on Fire. I yeah, think I think so. They were supporting them, something like and that. And you and me, we were just standing there. We were uh, jumping around, singing along with the riffs because they were so predictable, so easy to sing along with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we addressed that before. We did like uh, Hetfield, Hetfield impersonations on top of it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> just wailing like yeah, 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 all of the gig, and that was before. Space, I move my ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Through time and space, I move my hands. Yeah, my ass. But okay, my, okay. Yeah, uh, that was before uh, before the sound regulations. We didn't really bother anyone because it was nicely loud in there, and this no. band should be loud. No, and I, I give them that because we had a fucking good time. I mean, yeah. simple as that. And maybe they were, it was warm up. Before, they were playing before Clutch. Maybe that was it. Oh yeah, that's and we true. were in a really Clutch. good mood. Yeah, really good uh, opening for Clutch. We really were pumped and ready when, when mm -hmm. Neil and the boys uh, went on stage. And that was also an incredible <laughs> gig. They played 1-0-0-0-1-1-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1. Oh, nice. And we, we, also, and we also opened for them. <laughs> Do you remember? We were standing 
front row. <laughs> Taylor's your child is falling and the labyrinth is calling. Renegade heat, humanity abandoned. Yeah. I remember very clearly. That's Mer- Mercury, first song from yeah. uh, Last Tyrant, great song. And I remember that gig, uh, Neil was there, and he's kind of, you know, he has this kind of stone face, right? A little bit poker face. He's not overly yeah. overjoyed on stage, but he's very into it. He's like really giving it his all. And I remember after yeah. one or two songs, he was like, how are you doing? Like he does, you know. <laughs> he's very minimalist in his crowd interaction, verbally at least, in between the songs. Like, how are you doing? And, and I'm screaming like, <laughs> I'm great, man. How the fuck are you? <laughs> I, I, I don't think I, I don't, I didn't curse. I just said, I, I'm great, man. And how are you? <laughs> <laughs> and he, he replies to me, he's like uh, saying something very cool, like splendid over here or <laughs> something like that. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing great, man. And uh, yeah, I was to say great. the least very hyped for that gig. I think it was one of the yeah. last gigs when I kind of, you know, really uh, used all of my energy to uh, involve myself, you could say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was fantastic. But I think uh, Sword did good there. And it, But it did worse when I saw them opening for Metallica in, uh, in the Globen, in the, the Ericsson Globe or whatever it's called. Um, the, the very circular, no, the very globe-like uh, sphere-like building in the south of Stockholm where that makes everything sound like shit. And if you don't even get a minute to uh, sound check, uh, your <laughs> experience is going to be really bad, which the sword uh, had for sure. Yeah. It, I, you, could, you couldn't hear anything. There was four minuscule guys on stage with long hair that tried to play something and you couldn't hear anything. It was, it was so embarrassing for them. Yeah. And like for me, who had paid for something, I guess. I, I didn't even care for the Metallica gig. It was really bad. Yeah, it was during Death Magnetic Tour, so it was a while oh, ago, yeah. and I think they've had... Now they get good sound in, in Globen because a lot happened the last few years with, uh, uh, let's say, um, sound um, gear, sound equipment uh, for, for shows. They put like in some old mattresses. Yeah, they're much better now. They use line arrays, for example, which is, uh, not to get technical, but it's kind of this banana-shaped uh, form of, of speakers that have a more even spread, oh, which yeah. is okay. necessary for that. And they use sometimes secondary PA systems, which are time-delayed to really fill the hall. Yeah, I'm not going to get in further on that, but uh, I've seen shows there that sound good now. But those days, it was still kind of rough, and Metallica were not at their best, right? And also, there is this rumor that uh, allegedly Metallica has in their contract that the, the opening act should get this poor sound. Yeah, um, it's, that's a bit of a shit, uh, shit sandwich uh, that you're going to have to eat if you're called a sword. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's not so nice. And I, I don't know, really, they were still releasing stuff. Um, it's okay, you know. It's listenable, and but the the what what irks me is that their most annoying riff is the one that I remember <laughs> so well, and it's always come back. So hopefully this is an uh, playing it here on Gain It for Riffs is like my exorcists, uh, my exorcism of the riff, so I can yeah. finally get rid of it. Yeah, get rid of it and archive it. Maybe put it in the riff museum. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so one final time, uh, the sword, the tre- brujas.
I mean, it's good. It's good cookie cutter stoner rock, really. Yeah, I mean, it's fun to play. Also, that's the thing. And and I'm not gonna go super into. I mean, you pro you probably hear how it's. It's, it's not a, hard. It's not yeah, a, hard. It's a pentatonic uh, hard rock riff. Uh, <laughs> doesn't need to be dissected. Yeah. You can hear it straight up. There. No. <laughs> but, but actually, pretty good, yeah. And I remember this album. It came out around 2009. And uh, I remember I was uh, smoking weed with my drummer quite often in his mm -hmm. tiny apartment uh, during those years. Uh, we were into it uh, more heavily at that time. And uh, this record always came on. So it really worked for the stoner purpose. Really? Well. Yeah. yeah. We always put on Warp Riders. And like yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it, you know, this, the theme and everything. And that's around the time we watched uh, the movie Heavy Metal as well. It's mm, been kind yeah. of an inspiration for, for Gain It For Ifs for your beautiful trailer that you made. Like uh, <laughs> it's kind of space yeah, landscape. Make more of those. You know, it's, it's pretty nice. <laughs> it's just pretty nice. It's like a, yeah, it, comfortable. It, it's, it's, it's like uh, also... Uh, yeah, no, I agree. But it also came out in a kind of resurgence of this kind of music. It, it's not... That far from Mastodon, I would say, or uh, but more like this kind of around 2010, a little bit before, there were like this heavy rock uh, or metal retro 70s metal, I would say. Uh, yeah, it's it, they sound, you know, they, they sound kind of the same, they sound really heavy. Uh, the band they're playing quite well, uh, but there are a lot of these bands. Uh, yeah, and there is kind of the resurgence that you know it's not a very big scene, you know, uh, commercially. But there are a lot of bands that kind of sound uh, the same. And uh, but I have bands uh, like uh, Drunk Horse is another band that I really like. A horse, as in uh, Hest. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the other one. Uh, and um, uh, what other bands? Ah, I forget. Anyway, it's it's not a super interesting uh, era of music, but it was kind of um, during this period that we played and uh, that I went out to see a lot of bands. So you saw these bands, you know. Yeah, uh, and uh, for yeah. live entertainment, also it's a good style of music. I would say it really translates uh, easily live. It's uh, loud yeah. and loud and clear, and uh, there are grooves. Uh, loud and clear, yeah, <laughs> easy yeah. to play. Easy to play, easy to sing, uh, ad-lib uh, James Hetfield on top of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, cool riff, it's nice that you touched on it. And since I spent like 45 minutes uh, going through Entombed from late 80s to early 2000s, uh, good fit. Wait, an hour, uh, you spent an hour, I think. <laughs> oof, oof. Uh, yeah. But that's, it was worth it. It was super nice uh, to talk about it. I hope uh, also the listener that you enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, maybe we, <laughs> we have to watch the timer a little bit in the future, but hey, what the hell? Uh, I enjoyed it, and so should you. Uh, thank you very much for listening to Gain It For Ifs, and uh, here you have our brand new intro. Gain It For Riffs! Gain It For Riffs! So, thanks, dear listener, for sticking with us for this uh, excursion into Entombed and the Sword. And as per usual, we will be back next Wednesday with uh, brand new riffs. Uh, who knows from which band? Who knows from which artist? We don't. So uh, join us for the ride. And I mean, write us, gainitforifs at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, lots of fun stuff happening there. Follow us on the street. Push us up to a building and uh, force us to play uh, DAD. Gain It For Riffs Rock and Roll Children, our street team. Join it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know how to wrap this up today. Okay, so this is the wrap-up. <laughs> it's up. impossible. Maybe with the riff. Uh, do you have another entombed riff that you want to play? Uh, another entombed riff? I don't know. Uh, let's, uh, let's find out afterwards and put something cool after here. Very good. Okay. Hey, thanks for listening. Dear listener, have a good one. Ciao. Over and out.